You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. How would you like to vacation someplace beautiful, someplace exotic, someplace where you could leap three times higher than on Earth? Ten, nine, eight, seven. How would you like to vacation six, on Mars five, and maybe do research there four, or one day live three, there? Two, one, lift off! Have a safe flight. And bring me back a souvenir, would you? I never get to go anywhere cool. Why do the astronauts get all the best jobs? Right now, Mars is not a great place for life as we know it. But it might have been once, and maybe it will be again. Strap on your spacesuits, cadets. Today, we're exploring the red planet. Keep listening. You're tuned to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-pilot on this journey is 12-year-old Hayden from Nina, Wisconsin. Hi, Hayden. Hi. You got in touch with us to ask us about life on Mars. So what got you thinking about that? It was actually another Brains On episode. I was like, hey, maybe it'd be fun to ask a question. I'm glad you asked the question because it has inspired this episode. And so do you think humans should try to live on Mars? If they really want to, and it works out. Well, at the moment, Mars is a pretty lonely, desolate place. Oh, yeah. That's all Mars, like, ever talks about. Excuse me? On its video blog. Mars has a video blog? Yeah, I'll show you. Check it out. Hey, guys, it's me, Mars. Uh, I thought I'd do another video. Not much has changed since last time, though. Um, still pretty cold, like, negative 80 degrees Fahrenheit on average. But, you know, it's like really hard for me to hold on to heat because I don't have a lot of atmosphere. And uh, FYI guys, an atmosphere is kind of a thick blanket of gas that surrounds a planet and it can help trap heat. But mine is only about like 1% as thick as Earth's atmosphere. So heat from the sun just sort of radiates right off me back into space. Man, if I had a thick atmosphere like Earth, staying warm would be easy. That planet is such a show off. It's like, Oh, I'm Earth. Everybody wants to live here because I'm warm and I have liquid water. Let's make documentaries all about the rad animals that want to live on me. <laughs> Whatever. Mars has rocks and sand dunes and frozen ice caps. Oh, man, I'm so lonely. <sighs> I tried talking to those NASA rovers again, but they just ignore me. Snobs. Anyway, let's answer some emails, okay? All right. So, uh, SpaceFan99 asks, Why are you red, Mars? You angry, bro? <laughs> what? No. I mean, I am angry. No one invites me to their birthday parties, or, like, people don't follow me back on Twitter. It's just, like, rude, guys. But does it make me red? No. <laughs> I'm red because my surface is covered with iron oxide. It's the same stuff that makes rust red. Okay, another Lister question. This one's from Venus Rules. And they write, uh, what's that giant pimple on your face? What are you talking about, Venus Rules? That's, that's not a pimple. Jeez. That's only Olympus Mons, an actual volcano. And hashtag humblebrag, it happens to be the largest volcano in the entire solar system. It's three times taller than Mount Everest. You hear that, Earth? I have the tallest pimple. I mean volcano. I mean volcano. Ah! You know what? I don't have to prove myself. Mars is an awesome planet. I'm just going to go inspire some science fiction writers 
to make more stories about me. So, bye. Sounds like Mars has some issues to work out. Still, it's a fascinating place. You know, it wasn't always a frozen wasteland. That's right. You've been learning all about Mars for this show. Yeah, I interviewed Bethany Elman. She's a professor at Caltech in Pasadena, and she studies Martian rocks. We should add, she doesn't collect the rocks herself. There are robots on Mars that find and analyze rocks and then beam the information back to scientists here on Earth. Well, when we talked, Bethany was in a studio in California, and I was on the phone. I asked her what Mars was like billions of years ago. It looks like Mars, long ago, once had lakes, it had rivers, it had hydrothermal systems, it had aquifers and waters flowing underground, and it it may even still have water underground today, but it's largely way colder and way drier than it once was early in its history. Yeah, was it like covered in jungles or a giant ocean or... I don't know that there are any jungles, Because it would be really cool to find evidence of past trees on Mars or something, but we haven't found them yet. But if you think about you're in, uh, what state are you in right now? I am in Wisconsin. Mars in the past is probably a lot like the weather in Wisconsin in late fall transitioning into winter, right? So it's cold, a little bit snowy, maybe occasionally rains, maybe it's freezing rain, but there's plenty of water and there's plenty of water to potentially support life and certainly things like lakes and rivers and groundwaters and things like that. And the reason we know all of this is it's recorded in the rock record of Mars. So I'm a geologist by training and I study the texture of rocks and their chemistry and the minerals they're made of in order to figure out what the environments were like in the past. So when we look back at the rock record of Mars, we see that Mars a long time ago, like three and a half billion years ago, was once kind of like Wisconsin in the winter in terms of its climate. Were there like bugs there? I certainly hope there weren't mosquitoes and bees there. Then it would be very pesky to move in. (laughs) I agree that that mosquitoes on Mars would not be a plus. One of the, the things we're looking for with the NASA missions right now is to try to figure out the answer to the question, was there any kind of life on Mars? Or even, is there any kind of life on Mars? And you're right to maybe think and ask about bugs, because we're tra- not talking about little green men that walk around. We're pretty sure that, that they are not on Mars. But small bugs or even microbes, you know, little collections of cells that are alive, are certainly something that Mars could have supported in the past. The big question is, is why did it change? That's actually what I was about to ask. What happened? Well, we're not 100% sure, but this is something we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out why do some planets continue as great places for life, while others uh, maybe become a little bit worse over time. We think in the past that Mars had a thicker atmosphere, and the atmosphere acts as sort of a blanket. So it it can warm up the planet, it can trap heat and keep heat in. And that's why we think Mars once had all these liquid water. But then Mars lost its atmosphere, um, one, because there's a solar wind that strips away at in small amounts, the atmospheres of all planets over time. Earth, too, loses pieces of its atmosphere. But Mars is smaller with less gravity to hold in its atmosphere. So it may have lost some of its atmosphere to space. But then it also has to do with the internal history of Mars. Mars's volcanoes started to shut off. And we don't think about this very much, but volcanoes on Earth 
in addition to belching out lavas onto the surface, actually also belch out gases into the atmosphere that refresh the atmosphere and um, keep uh, more gases in there, even as Earth loses some of its gas to outer space. But on Mars, once the volcanoes uh, shut off or became a lot less active, Mars lost more and more of its atmosphere to space. And as the atmosphere got thinner, the planet got colder. So what is Mars like now? Let's put you like, first of all, if you were standing on the equator of Mars. So you'd see the sun, but it would be about 40 percent fainter than it is from Earth. You would have to be in a spacesuit to breathe because the, the atmospheric pressure on Mars is so low that you're like, your, your saliva and your tears in your eyes would start to boil if you were outside of your spacesuit. So you would be standing on the equator at your spacesuit looking at a 40% fainter sun. You'd see rocks and sand dunes and blowing dust. All right. I do have one final question. Sure. What would it take to make Mars like Earth again? Yeah, that's a great question. We would have to make its temperature warmer somehow, right, to get some liquid water. The main way to do that is to put gas into the atmosphere. One thing we know is if somehow Mars's polar caps, it has caps of H2O ice, water ice, and CO2 ice, if they were to completely evaporate into the atmosphere, the atmospheric pressure could double. But other than that, it's a little bit in the in the realm of, of science fiction, but people have talked about bringing colonies of, of algae, you know, plants take in, can take in carbon dioxide and make oxygen, right? And if we had a whole colony of microbes doing this, well, maybe we could make the atmosphere of Mars thicker. So that's one idea. That would take a lot of stuff. It would take a lot of stuff. It would take a lot of time, too. So this is one of the reasons I hope that we go and explore Mars, but I'm, I'm content to do it in spacesuits to begin with. And then if we decide we want to change it, we can. Well, I really appreciated talking to you. Thank you. It has been a pleasure talking about Mars. Hey, we're giving away another book. This time, it's a very charming novel about a boy who loves rockets, space, and his dog, Carl Sagan. He's making a recording about what it's like here on Earth so that life, if there is any life in the universe, can better understand our pale blue dot. It's called See You in the Cosmos by Jack Cheng, and I highly recommend it. It's surprising and hopeful and funny. Enter for a chance to win the book at brainson.org slash giveaway. You have until midnight on October 3rd to enter. That's brainson.org slash giveaway. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. 
They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom. And I'm Hayden. Today we are talking about Mars. And before we get back to that fourth planet from the sun, a little detour for the... Here it comes. Do you have a guess, Hayden? Maybe it's a Martian robot, like, rattling on Mars, you know, driving. Excellent guess. And I will say that this sound does not necessarily have anything to do with the episode. So does that change your guess at all? Maybe. Maybe a waterfall? Excellent. We'll have the answer in a moment, but first... Do you have a mystery sound you'd like to share with us, or a question, or a drawing? Email it to us at hello at brainson.org. That's how Harper and Riley sent us this head-scratcher. Why is money valuable? It's just paper. Can you explain? We'll answer that at the end of the show. Plus, we'll welcome the latest group of Brains on Rollies, so stick around. Now, let's get back to that mystery sound, shall we? Here it is one more time. Hayden, do you want to change your guess? Yes, somebody blowing bubbles in their chocolate milk. Or water. Wow, that is an amazing guess. Here is Nico with the answer. That was the sound of me blowing bubbles in a bottle of chocolate milk. Okay. Hayden, how did you do that? <laughs> I can't believe I actually guessed it. Has that ever been done before? Probably. Um, you know... I think it's been guessed, but not with that extreme level of detail. How did you How did you guess chocolate milk? Uh, <laughs> it's because that's the, it's because that's what people at my school used to do. I was like white bubbles as I heard it the second <laughs> time. That is awesome. Well, you did a great job. Did you ever blow bubbles in your chocolate milk? Uh, I, not very often. If I did, I'd usually do it at home. I mean, I I never actually drank the chocolate milk because it was served in cardboard cartons. I don't like drinking things out of cardboard cartons. (laughs) Well, we might, we should probably do an experiment later to see if like bubbles blown in chocolate milk sound a little different than bubbles blown in like regular milk or juice or water. That's an experiment to try at home. Well, I'm super impressed, Hayden. Good work. What's up, people? It's me again, Mars. Uh, shout out to all the new followers who found me after the last video. I got a great new batch of questions, too. Uh, here's one from Red Planet Fever. Uh, they say, hey, Mars, can I come live on you? I hear you've got less gravity than Earth, but I'm working on my dunks. Yeah, it's true. I'm like half the size of Earth, and I only have about a third of the gravity, so you could totally dunk here. You bring the ball, I'll help with the bounce. Okay, here's another message I got. Uh, this one's from... <laughs> I love this username. Earth is overrated 22. <laughs> that is awesome. I totally agree. Okay, so uh, they write, Hi, Mars. My planet is too crowded, and I want some peace and quiet. Let's hang. Guys, I'm, like, I'm really touched. This seriously makes my day. Whew, I know I'm always red, but I'm kind of blushing right now. That was sweet. Yeah, let's totally hang, guys. 
But like, okay, I should warn you. There are like a couple things about me you should probably know. First, like I mentioned, I'm pretty cold most of the time. I mean, some days at like noon on the equator, I could be like 70 degrees Fahrenheit. It's not bad. Uh, but you might want to bundle up before nightfall because uh, I could drop to like negative 100 degrees, which I'll admit is a little brisk. Also, I don't have a breathable atmosphere really, so you probably want to pack your own. You know, it's like BYOA, bring your own atmosphere. Oh, and uh, I don't know if this is a deal breaker, but I'm constantly bombarded with cosmic rays and solar radiation that can make you sick or even kill you. Not, not right away, but like, you know, over time, kill you. Uh, space is full of this stuff too, though, so it's not just me. You know, I'd love to have a strong magnetic field that deflects the solar rays and cosmic radiation. I've been told I used to have one, but I lost it somehow. <laughs> it's like totally weird. Like, how's that even happen? You know, I had my, I had my keys. Where'd it go? I had a magnetic field. Like, where, where'd it go? I don't know. Uh, anyway, scientists are still trying to figure all that out. I know Earth has a powerful magnetic field and it, it shields all you people from this harmful stuff, which is cool, you know. Be safe, Earthlings. <laughs> uh, but if you come hang with me, yeah, you might have to worry about cold temperatures, no air to breathe, and that whole deadly race thing. If you're down with that stuff, like, come on, let's do this. Let's hang out. And hey, subscribe to my channel if you haven't already. Uh, next week, I've been posting a lip sync I did to a Bruno Mars song. Because, you know, I'm also Mars, and I think we may be related. Anyway, you don't want to miss that. Okay, that's all for now. Later, everybody. Hey, Mars, I think I may know someone who used to cat sit for Bruno Mars. Or his cousin. Something like that. Anyway, I can probably hook you up. Don't believe me, just watch. Do you have a question for Mars to answer on its video blog? Send it to us at hello at brainson.org. We'll post a new video of the Red Planet answering some of your questions on our YouTube channel. They can be scientific or silly, or you can just say hi to Mars. Again, send Mars mail at hello at brainson.org and keep an eye out for a new video. Speaking of Mars-related questions, let's hear another. Hi, my name is Henry from Oakland, California, and I'm nine years old. I was wondering, could people ever live on Mars? Great question, Henry. You know, people with the University of Hawaii are looking into this right now. They run a NASA-funded project called High Seas. That's H-I-S-E-A-S. Which stands for the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation. The goal is to find out how to keep a crew of people happy and healthy on a long-term space mission. So the participants live in a small domed base on the side of a volcano in Hawaii. They pretend it's a base on Mars. The people stay for anywhere from a few months to a year. And we simply live far removed from society. My name is uh, Tristan Bassinthwaite, and I was the crew architect for High Seas 4. Tristan says the dome is on an old volcano because the surroundings are actually a lot like Mars. You just have broken rock, lava flows that have solidified into like goopy rivers of stone, and there's no plants, no forests, no roads. We had normal gravity, the sky is blue, you can hear the wind outside, um, you know there's not, you know, the radiation that uh, exists on Mars, but the idea is to simulate sort of the um, mental and social isolation from your families and daily life. So it approximates Mars in a lot of ways. When you live in this dome, you only have minimal contact with the outside world. You can send email, but you can't call friends anytime you want or get cable TV. 
There's no fresh food. And to make it really authentic, the participants can't even leave the base without wearing protective suits. So the idea of um, maybe just going outside for a walk or to enjoy the weather does not exist. It's all very uh, structured and you're in a suit. You don't really feel the uh, wind or the sun. Uh, it's quite hot and uncomfortable. There's fans blowing in your ear to keep you cool. It's definitely not the same as going outside on Earth. A big part of the experiment is studying how people handle being cooped up with others for a long period of time. Imagine a road trip with six other people that lasts a year. Ugh. The base is 1,300 square feet, sort of like an apartment or a small house in the U.S. Each person has a room about the size of a closet, and the rest is common space. You can definitely get annoyed with each other. You can't really fight the way you might imagine. Siblings fight, like I fought with my brothers growing up, like you could go to your room or go outside or go to a friend's house and get away from them and things would get better. But when you're in this dome, you can't go outside and it's not big enough to really get away from people. So if you have a fight, it's gonna make things pretty tense for a long time and you try to avoid it as much as you can. Researchers hope what they learned from high seas can help them plan for a real trip to Mars. That's something Tristan is interested in. He'd love to live on the planet. In fact, he's thought a lot about what a Mars colony would look like. The first Mars colonies, sort of out of necessity, are actually going to be underground. Mars doesn't have a very strong magnetic field and has a very, very thin atmosphere, so what gives you a light sunburn on Earth would be very, very dangerous to your health on Mars. So until we get like better suits and better uh, protection for the surface, you probably want to have your main living area be underground. But if you can imagine, say, a cave that is big enough to fit your entire neighborhood in, and you've got lights in the ceiling that simulate uh, what the sky might look like, you know, nice bright blue lights, you pressurize and fill with atmosphere that entire cave, seal off the entrances, and then begin to introduce uh, plant life, open water, that sort of a thing, and you'll eventually get these big, big, big pockets of what look like little slices of Earth. You could have homes that are open to the air and walk around your neighborhood and you'll be underground, but to the extent possible, it won't feel like it. This is definitely, definitely something that could happen uh, sooner than people realize. Like, I have every intention of retiring to Mars. If you were to say, look at Mars in a hundred years, it's not inconceivable that we could have a population of 50,000, 100,000 people living there or more. It really just depends on um, how well we set up the infrastructure and the basic requirements now. If you want to know more about how NASA would ship materials for a base to Mars, check out our Deep Sea versus Outer Space episode. Retiring on Mars. Wow, that sounds extreme. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to do that. I'm kind of scared of outer space, to be honest. What about you, Hayden? Would you want to live underground on Mars? Probably not. You can't have a good dog or cat there. I would be that very would be sad if I never had a pet. But we asked our listeners if they'd like to live on the Red Planet, and here's what they said. I would like to go to Mars because I like the color of the dirt. I wouldn't want to go to Mars because... But it'll actually take longer to get there than the amount of time I stay at Mars. 
I don't want to go or live on Mars because what if a spaceship explodes? I think I would like to live on Mars because you could float around. If I ever went to Mars, I would do a lot of science experiments and I would jump as high as I can because there's less gravity. I would like to live on Mars because I want to be a scientist and I want to learn about the volcanoes and how the sand got red and the sandstone and the rocks. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. I wouldn't want to live on Mars since there's no water there and we wouldn't survive. I really, 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 really would like to go to Mars. If Daddy and I and my brother would go and Mama, we would have a lot of fun here. I would really like to live on Mars because I would want to discover new things about Mars and search for life. I wouldn't want to live on Mars because when you blast off in the rocket, it would feel like a 380-pound gorilla is sitting on you. That was Penny, Brent, Nate, Brenna, Ethan, Rayanch, Paige, Emerson, Gideon, and Stella. We want you to draw us a picture of what your Mars base would look like. Would it have special areas like an indoor farm or a soccer field? Would it be in a dome or underground? Email it to hello at brainson.org. We'd love to see your designs. We'll share them on social media. Follow us there to see them. We're on Facebook and we're brains underscore on on Twitter and Instagram. Scientists think long ago Mars was warmer and wetter, kind of like Earth's. Today, though, it's a cold, dusty place with very little atmosphere and lots of harmful radiation. Humans would have trouble surviving there right now, but people are working on ways to set up bases and even whole cities on Mars. That's it for this episode. We had engineering help from Johnny Vince Evans, Eric Stromstad, Michael Osborne, and Veronica Rodriguez. Special thanks to Katie Salzman, Bruce Betts and the Planetary Society, and Jenny Josephson. Brain Zones produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. This shows questions from listeners like you and me. And Brains On is funded in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Before we go, let's answer Harper and Riley's question. It's our moment of um. Hi, my name is Harper. And my name is Riley. And we live in Massachusetts. Why is money valuable? It's just paper. Can you explain? We've asked two very smart people to help us answer this question. They are Kai Rizdahl and Molly Wood, hosts of the Marketplace podcast, Make Me Smart. So, Kai, why is money valuable if it's really just paper? The root reason is uh, actually rooted in a word, and that word is credit or credire to the Latin, right, which means to believe. We believe that a dollar bill or a five or a 10 or a 20 has value because we can get something for it, right? That's the deal. It used to be rooted in gold. They used to be rooted in silver. Now it's just rooted in this thing called the full faith and credit of the United States. But we believe it has value because the government says it has value. That's it. That's the whole deal. Wow. And and that's the same all over the world? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, money is not rooted in gold anymore. It used to be that you could take take a dollar bill or a $100 bill and go to the bank or the treasury department and get $100 worth of gold. Can't do that anymore. But it's not rooted in something tangible anymore. It's rooted in belief. 
That is so interesting. So paper money has been around for a while, but there's mm-hmm. also a relatively new kind of money we want to learn about. So Molly, <laughs> what is mm-hmm. Bitcoin? So it's it's money that is created by computer code. You know, it is literally little chunks of code and each Bitcoin doesn't actually exist. There is no coin that you can hold. There is no physical uh, embodiment of this currency. But you can slice it up. You could get a part of a Bitcoin and use that to pay for something. And the reason that it has value is basically the same reason that paper money has value, that people have agreed that they will use it in exchange for goods and services. But part of the reason that it works and doesn't totally fall apart, even though it's essentially made out of nothing and created out of air if air is computer code, it works because there's this technology underneath it that is sort of a a notebook. It's a ledger, and it lets everybody see how many Bitcoin have been created and how they've ever been spent. It lets you see the entire history of a Bitcoin. So if you could imagine that for a dollar bill, um, that would be remarkable. If you could see every time that that dollar bill had ever changed hands, you'd be able to track its entire history. You would know for sure that it was not counterfeit. Uh, And the people who use Bitcoin know how to make it. And they know that it's incredibly difficult. The way that Bitcoins are created is through a process called mining. And it takes a super powerful computer and a really, really long time to make a new Bitcoin. So that means that they're rare. And when something is rare, it's more valuable. So people have agreed that Bitcoin has value. Thank you so much for coming and making us smart today. Kai and Molly can both be heard on the public radio show Marketplace, as well as their podcast, Make Me Smart. Creative, curious kids keep this show going. And to thank them for sending questions, drawings, mystery sounds, and high fives, we made the Brains on a roll. Here's the latest group to be added. Lydia from Columbia, Missouri, Ophelia from Brooklyn, Asa from Austin, Texas, Quinn and Eloise from Sutton, Massachusetts, Violet and Everett from Rosemount, Minnesota, Enzo from White Bear Township, Minnesota, Brady from Brooklyn, Kai from L.A., Jack from Hartford, Connecticut, Aiden and Nomi from Rhododendron, Oregon, Leela from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, Desmond from Baton Rouge, Oz from Minneapolis, Henry from Savannah, Georgia, Helen from Wilmington, North Carolina, Isa from Nyack, New York, George from Cooperstown, New York, Isabella from Las Vegas, Creedon from Bertrand, Texas, Evie and Jake from Melbourne, Australia, Anya and Kayla from Orland Park, Illinois, Jude from Melbourne, Australia, Atara from Riverside, California, Elliot from Lakewood Ranch, Florida, Lola from Des Moines, Catherine, Timothy, and Daniel from Auckland, New Zealand, Angela from Saddlebrook, New Jersey, Zoralee, Zaya, and Desi from Eureka, Montana, Calvin and Joseph from Oak Park, Illinois, Nathan from Portland, Oregon, Elliot from Springfield, Virginia, Alfred from Aberdeen, Scotland, Joanna from Porter Ranch, California, Ben from Anagonish, Nova Scotia, Wyatt and Case from Katy, Texas, Cohen from Indonesia, Aiden from Rosedale, New York, Dylan from Minneapolis, Benjamin and Nathan from Boston, Carson from Kentucky, Adi and Eitan from Boston, Rebecca from Minneapolis, Taylor from Ontario, Elliot from Taiwan, Judah from Elliot, Maine, Wiley from San Antonio, Cora, Alex, and Evan from Bexley, Ohio, Gracie and Lizzie from Leeds, England, Laura Lee from Montreal, Gabriel from London, Bill from Redlands, California, Adeline from Raleigh, North Carolina, and William and Chester from Hudson, Ohio. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more answers to your questions. Bye!